Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at the University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, pretty much wherever you guys can get a podcast. Go ahead and give us a five-star review if you're listening and haven't given us a review. And if you're listening for the first time, go ahead and drop us a subscribe. We appreciate that. And I'm your host today, Kamiya Marabian, joined by my co-host, Stephen Brown. We're going to talk about Oklahoma winning their sixth straight Big 12 title and then on to some other things like Alex Grinch and future coaching endeavors and Oklahoma, a little bit of Oklahoma, Florida. But Stephen, how's life, man? Seems like you, you've, uh, the last 24 hours, so you've been... <laughs> it's been a whirlwind. It's been an interesting time. Yeah, uh, I've been taking full advantage of these uh, antibodies I've been gifted from the COVID, COVID virus, so... Had a couple little, uh, an engagement party had to go to, uh, obviously, you know, if the bar is an open bar, you have to take advantage of that as well. So you got to rack up those, those big tabs. So. Do you like walk <laughs> around in public now, even like when you have a mask on, do you walk around in public thinking like, I don't have to worry about this because you yeah, have I stand a little bit taller when I'm walking through crowds. Like, because I've been thinking, now. I've been thinking like, you know, like if not, if when I, when I get a vaccine, right. Am I really like I? You know, we're we're supposed to continue wearing masks and uh, continue to be very very cautious. But I feel like as soon as I get my vaccination, I'll just be like, "Why am I wearing this mask?" No, I'm I'm gonna abide by the uh, county ordinance still. What a good guy you are, keeping people safe. I'm an upstanding citizen. You are an upstanding citizen, but oh man, anything interesting? Anything new in life? Not really. Uh, I mean, I guess I moved, got a new dog. This is like my third new dog. What's the year. name of the dog? This one's Paisley. Oh, that's a and good she's name. A, she's a black lab. That's cute. She's very loud, so we'll see if she shows up. Is she super smart, too? She is. She. Uh, I think she understands English, like, Speaks a little bit better than some people I know. Oh, that's fair. That's very fair. And... When I was a kid, I used to think uh, lab dogs were very, very smart, not because of they were actually smart. I just assumed like, oh, they're a Labrador. They're like, they're dogs specifically for laboratories. That's what I thought <laughs> as a child. And I was very wrong. So, but whatever. Anyways, we have a game to talk about. Oklahoma wins a sixth straight Big 12 title. I think fourth straight down in Jerry World. The other two were in Norman, I believe. Uh, they went 27-21. 
And I mean, honestly, I'm gonna let you talk first. This game was exactly how we kind of really thought it was going to be, right? There wasn't much surprise to this game. Um, if you listen to the last podcast, I think all of our predictions were, I would say, at least 90% accurate for this one. Yeah. I mean, what were some of the things that you mentioned? I think we mentioned, there, you know, OU, OU was going to get off to a, a fast start. They always do um, under Lincoln Riley. Those those first two series, they seem to just have that those two written down. Like, these are the plays we're going to play. And after that, we're just going to kind of see what Iowa State does to adjust. So those first two, three series, Oklahoma looked like the team we expected. It's a, you know, high-flying offense, um, got off to a fast start, not many mistakes here and there. Uh, there was a couple, you know, errant throws by, oh, by Rattler, but one of them, I guess, you know, for some reason it worked out, so. Uh, and Which then one? We, Are you talking about the Hazelwood one or the the Mims? It was one? the one where it should have been intercepted, and then it fell into Marvin yeah, Mims, Mims' hands. God, that was because I think that was pretty early on, right? Yeah, that was early on. Yeah. That that play sequence was it was like a third or fourth down conversion by Mikey Henderson, who was carrying the ball just like it was like just like the TV remote, like he wasn't. <laughs> and there was, there was so much traffic and dudes swiping at the ball, and I was like already getting blood pressure issues, and the next play. Rattler throws it right into the hands of this linebacker and it just pops up into Marvin Mims hands. And I was like, I can't do this crap. That's fun. Yeah. But uh, I mean, we also talked about how Iowa state's a strong, strong finisher. They gave Oklahoma mm-hmm. problems, uh, especially in the, the late third into the fourth quarter. So um, I think we all expected OU to win, but it was going to be a lot tighter than, you know, a lot of fans would want. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's the same it story. It's the same story as we saw at the beginning of the year. So, like, we're trying to figure out how much Oklahoma has truly grown because I think I agreed that I think Oklahoma was going to start fast because they've always started fast. They've always been able to do, throw in a couple different wrinkles and a couple different looks that teams aren't used to. Like, that amazing uh, middle screen when, like, they play action, go right, and it looks like they're going to throw it to Jeremiah Hall in the flat – and then you've actually just delayed a middle screen to Ramondre Stevenson in the middle of the field after the linebackers beautiful. have vacated that space. Like, holy crap. I'd never seen that before in my life. And so they just did that really, really well. And they used it really well a few times. And then you saw a lot of good things. Uh, they were just throwing the ball downfield, getting Spencer rather comfortable, uh, being able to still run the ball. They ran the ball really successfully in the first half. And Ramondre Stevenson ripped off a few big ones. Yeah, I and, think he was averaging almost seven yards per carry at that point. Yeah, it was big. And the first half was great. I mean, 20, 24 to seven. They have, you know, Oklahoma was like, hey, man, you, you score like 10 more points. This game could be effectively over. And that never happened. <laughs> it just never, it never, it never came. The second half was a completely different story. And, to me, and we talked about this before we started recording, right? I, I talked about it. I was just like, the, what really bugged me the most, and maybe it, something will bug you differently, or maybe it doesn't bug you at all. The thing that really bugged me was Oklahoma had so many opportunities to capitalize on being up 17. If the Oklahoma would have been up 24 or 27, like they should have been, this game is just not even, it's not even, we're not talking about it. We're not talking about like, oh, it's 21-27. The Big 12 plays defense and yada, yada. It should be Oklahoma blew the hell out of Iowa State with with their rematch. But 
you know, they weren't getting the ball at their 25 yard line. They were getting the ball consistently around their own 35, 40 at midfield right. a couple times at Iowa state's 40 once. And they just could not take care of business. And that's the sign of a young team. That's the sign of a lot of other things, but that's just what really bugged me a lot. And so like, I'm asking you, is that a Lincoln Riley play calling thing? Is that a lack of execution from the offense? Is it somewhere in the <clears> middle? Uh, or is it just like Iowa State was playing really good defense? Or I'm sure you could say it's probably the combination of all three. But like, what, are you, what are your thoughts there? There's one thing that we've kind of noticed throughout this season is there's not much sense of urgency once Oklahoma gets you know a two, three score lead. They kind of just dial it back and they let the defense do their thing. They're okay with, you know, basically trading possessions at that point. Um, and it's not an offense that Oklahoma fans are accustomed to seeing. They want to see, you know, almost a score every drive. They've seen it with Baker. They saw it with Kyler, a little bit with Jalen until that catastrophe happens. So um, this is a little bit different. And I'm not sure where you can – if the blame lies with one particular thing. I think a lot of it's with Lincoln Riley and his play calling. But also, you have to find ways for guys to stay engaged during the game. They can't just go through the motions once they feel comfortable. I agree. I, I think there's a, just a big combination of a lot of things. And I think, I don't know, I I had a problem with the play calling. I, I just couldn't, I just didn't understand some of the play calling, especially in the second half. Like, He's been adamant, Lincoln Riley, several times in the year, been adamant. Oh, we need to figure out a way to put teams away. We need to figure out a way to squash on their throats. We need a way to just really finish them off. And then, like, just some of the like, running two times, like run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. It's all he did. And then towards the end of the game, when Ohio, and I almost call him Ohio State, when Iowa State was getting momentum and getting momentum, it was still that run, run, pass, or, you know, he might throw in a pass in there occasionally, just like a pass and then two runs. Like it was just, it was bad. And he kept on playing field position, which I was, I was okay with the first couple times, but then like the next couple times when the game was really getting dicey, when it became a two score game, I was not a fan of that because now like the defense has been on the field. It felt like forever in the second half. And if the defense fails to do their job or if the defense fails to hold up because they've been battered the entire second half, you're going to put a lot of pressure on Spencer Rattler. And so thank God for Trey Brown in giving the Sooners multiple opportunities <laughs> to have short fields. He killed it in the turno in, in, well, in the turnover game. He got a game winning turnover, but also he just destroyed it on special teams. And without him, without great special teams play from him you know the Sooners their time is a lot tougher that they probably the Oklahoma probably doesn't score that three points to be up 27 21 it probably stays at 24 21 and you know it gives probably Iowa State more time and so to me the game was decided on special teams and turnovers but let's go over the stats real quick Iowa State had more yards 435 to 392 they had more yards passing 322 to 272 but that's to say they also had to throw the ball a lot. I would say had to throw the ball a lot more because they were behind. Now, the rushing was really similar. Uh, Oklahoma held Brees Hall to way under his average. They only had 113 rushing yards, but Oklahoma, they only had 120. And they had 3.9 yards of rush, whereas I would say it was at 3.6, so pretty similar there. But the main difference here is it's pretty right in the pudding right there. Brock Purdy threw three interceptions 
Um, so was it special teams and turnovers that decided this game? Was it better coaching? Was it defensive lines? Was it offensive lines? Were the quarterbacks who, who would you say really made big impacts on this game to where like it would trend that direction? Well, I think you have to look immediately. And we talked about it in the, the last podcast, the preview podcast was that that front seven for OU really gave Purdy a lot of trouble. And at times, you know, they didn't get home. Perry on Winfrey missed a bunch of tackles. Um, he got it loose a couple of times, but yeah. You look at he, that defense face mask to the hell out of Brock Purdy. <laughs> I thought he was going to get ejected. If you're going to face mask, that's the way to do it. Like, but I, also that, that looked that can't extremely be, painful. That can't be legal, right? Like he literally grabbed him and threw him across the field with this by his face mask. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to do that to another human. Yeah. And just get 15 yards. And then they, but they had one guy, you know, boy, I got the four of the first play of the game almost that got first ejected second, for Andre, hitting yeah. Drake Stoops. And I, the yeah, star position is important. That's unfortunate. That. I mean, that's just one of those things where it's kind of tedious just because it is kind of by rule or by definition um, targeting. But it was it's it interesting, wasn't though, because you know, Drake Stoops, as soon as he catches that ball, what he he's very fundamental. He's just gonna backpedal the shit out of like his legs until he falls down to gain more yards. So he wasn't just gonna go down, and so like it puts this guy, uh, I can't remember what his name is. Like starts with an I, but anyways, it puts him in a really bad predicament because like now he has to go tackle him and he's just running downhill. Right. And, and so like it was just an unfortunate situation. It wasn't an egregious no. hit by any means. I mean, no. give him the 10, 15 yard penalty and call it good. Yeah, I agree, but. But uh, that front seven, I thought they were outstanding most of the day. Uh, oh, yeah. They were the most consistent group. Obviously, they were giving a lot of trouble to Purdy, who just made some terrible choices because I think that pressure was just in his head. That time, you know, that time where I got to get rid of this ball, even if it's, you know, not the right throw. So, um, but then you also look at the turnovers. Obviously, uh, if they don't make one of those, it could be a lot different game. Oklahoma easily could have lost this game um, on that, that final drive. But, uh, yeah, I, I would give it to the front seven. They they were chaotic all day. They were the probably the player of the game. Yeah, I mean, like anytime Nick Benito, Perry and Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, Ronnie Perkins, anytime those guys are in the backfield, which is pretty much the majority of the night, it just it just wreaks havoc. And there there were a couple times where I saw one of the players just completely destroy the pocket in the backfield, and I thought it was Ronnie Perkins, and it was Isaiah Thomas. I was like, holy wait, what? That was ninety five. Uh, just really, really excited for how far he has come, like as a project from that Tulsa. Right. I think that Tulsa area. I think it's Tulsa Memorial, Tulsa, right? Uh, yes. But just a big time project, kind of like he was a four star guy, but he wasn't. He wasn't going to be seeing the field with a dude like Ronnie Perkins. So really happy for him and his development. He's been just really good. I mean, you can't really say anything other than that. Um, Buki did play, but I noticed his absence quite a bit from the game. And then halfway through the game, fans did too. And they used Trey Norwood, but they also used a lot of depth Depth in DJ Graham. You saw uh, Woody, Woody Washington, Washington out there, Jaden yeah. Davis, all these other dudes. You, I feel like we saw, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe we just be, both need to do another rewatch, which is I feel like Buki was not in there as much as everybody else. Maybe because he provides – a if, substantial size differential, I guess, maybe for this game, it makes sense. I mean, I think 
Jack mentioned it, you know, this would be a game where maybe you substitute Buki and, you know, maybe a Pat Fields out, especially in the red zone for a guy like Woody Washington, who could probably match up a little bit better on Hutchinson and Kolar and all those guys that are six, six. Were you surprised to see Robert Barnes out there like several times? A little bit, but uh, I mean, it also makes sense. Like you, this team struggles with big receivers um, and, you know, Iowa state they're, but Hutchinson's 6'3", 6'4", Kolar's 6'6", the other tight end's like 6'5". Yeah, it's unbelievable. So this is a matchup dream for Barnes. Yeah, because he still has some of that speed from his safety days, and now he's just bulked up. So, like, honestly, that could be a, that could be a really, really beneficial for the future as the Big 12 kind of transitions to – the Big 12 is always transitioning. It's so weird, like <laughs> – because what, like five years ago, everybody just spread. Everybody spread out. You Small know, receivers, ba- Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma's trying to get it. OSU is trying to do it. Texas still sucks. And now, and now, even Kansas State's a little late to the game. Kansas State is now spreading it out. And then, but like now, wait, it, it, it's all of a sudden the, the team still spread it out, but they now have bigger physical packages and their defenses are getting bigger. And so it's just like, are they a step behind the SEC? Or are they just going? Are they? Are they? Are they really the ones that are spearheading all of this? That are getting ahead of the curve because now all the other conferences are copying what the Big Twelve has done. Because you saw that Alabama at Florida game, and Oklahoma had has had several of those games at the end of the season, and they got totally ripped for it in the national perspective. But then that game between Florida and Alabama happens, and it's like, oh, that's just really good offensive football, which is total <laughs> bullshit, by the way. Um, but yeah, Buki played not as, you know, so what's the deal here? Like, I think he played a few snaps, right? Do you think he's going to be the main starter when they play Florida or do you think it'll be Trey Norwood? Oh, I think he's going to start through? against Florida. You think so? Yeah. I think this was just a situation where they knew this just isn't his game and then they can get him on certain situations as far as maybe it's a running down. Um, cause he does provide a little bit more speed on the edge as a nickel. Didn't Norwood start? In the Baylor game? Or was that a game he, Buki was out? I think he did start. And Buki mm-hmm. may have been one of those traces. That's true. I have to go back and watch. Yeah, I don't know. What part of this game really sticks out to you? Uh, I mean, those two throws, those back-to-back throws by Rattler, um, one to Trajan Bridges that was just a, a bad drop. Yeah, We don't really see that too often. I mean, that's, that's a Baker Mayfield. That's a Kyler Murray-type throw. And maybe... Right in the bucket. Some instances better. I imagine if Trajan Bridges would have had at least two games under his belt, like everybody else, he catches. He probably that. makes that catch. Yeah. I was very but... excited and then very sad for him. <laughs> I don't even, was that his first snap? That was his. I think, I think that was like his second or third snap because he's okay. home in there a couple times. But that was his yeah. Only the heart can be racing a little bit. Yeah. Everything can move, be moving a little bit quick. So. For sure. Um. Man, some of this, so what sticks out to me is just how far the defensive line has come. Like, you look at two years ago, and Neville Gallimore is still your best defensive lineman, but he, well, no, he not Neville Gallimore, Ronnie Perkins is your best defensive lineman two years ago, and he's like the youngest one there. And Neville Gallimore, you're still waiting on the light to come on. You're just like praying it does come on. And then you get what this is, and you have Nick Benito who's constantly – disrupting the passer he's constantly getting around left tackles or swimming inside which is something that everybody loves eric striker nick benito's better i mean I'm, there's no there's, it's all there the proof is all there he's bigger 
Uh, he can go around. He's very fast, but he's also very big and get inside and he can hold that edge. So uh, everybody loves strike, but Nick Benito is better. And Clayton Smith is going to be really, really good too, following in those footsteps. And so like you look at him, you look at Perry and Winfrey, who's just like much better. It feels like he's much better than Neville Gallimore because it just seems like he has more physical tools. I think he could possibly go to the, go to the draft this year if he wanted to, but if he wanted to turn into a first rounder, I think it'd be smart for him to stay. Right. And you had Ronnie Perkins and like, we're not even talking about Josh Ellison who had a good game or Corey Roberson who had a good game and Jordan Kelly, who's going to have, who had a good game and you have Jalen Redmond coming back next year. There's just so much to like. And so when I think of the part of the game that sticks out to me, is just front four, just really just killing, 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 killing. And like the thing that Iowa state said, when I went on their podcast earlier this season um, with the wide right Natty Light folks was they were very adamant that their offensive line was one of the best in the country and they were one of the most solid groups. And for OU just to completely just torch them down after <laughs> down after down. Perion Winfrey was given that center all oh sorts God. of trouble. Like, the one time he just threw him aside and then like if he didn't just like hesitate, if he just follows through and doesn't get his hands up in the air, he probably murders Brock Purdy. They probably have to write the death certificate just there and there. He was just like getting through everything. So I hope he comes back next year because he's a possible chance. You know, if if he's cool with a third grade, third ground grade, which I think is very possible, I think he might take the exit. You know, like a one and done in college after the JUCO ranks. Like, why not? But of course, I think he comes back. I think he just needs the show more, especially after this game where he could have had. You know, you saw the potential, but just missed on the the Mm -hmm. tackles. And I think they can sell him on, hey, listen, we're going to get you a real full off-season conditioning program, get your body 100% right, and you're already a dominant like lineman in the league and looks like in the nation. We'll get your body to the next level, and you'll be unstoppable. You'll be a first-round pick late, if, if the latest early second-round pick. I mean, that's just right. the way he looks. And so, I mean, that's what really sticks out. That front four is incredible. And so – Looking at this game from the national perspective, everybody was like, oh, yeah, the ACC title is happening. Oh, the SEC title is happening. Oh, by the way, the Big 12 played earlier today. So, like, does, does this game move the national perspective needle for the Sooners? It, it seemed to move it for analysts that were saying, man, the Sooners are playing just as well as anybody. But for the fans and the common people and your casuals, it this seems to be – it was just like, eh, they played cool. Who cares? Does it move, does it move the needle for – let's say this. Does it move the needle more for recruits, the media, or fans, or none of the above? I think it moves it for recruits because now you kind of have this this body of work you're, you're showing, especially on the defensive side, that, hey, you know, we have four or five-star receivers on our team, but we don't have a five-star linebacker. We don't have a five-star defensive end. And it, imagine what we can do with you because we're, you know, we're a top – I think they're top three run defense in the, in the country right now. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it, it definitely moves the needle for recruits just because they can, they can show this evidence of work now. Um, nationally, I just don't think it's going to be there until they win a big game. Yeah. Like, a, you know, the, the win over Florida would probably move the needle. Right. And that's what, that's why uh, the, the Sooners would be intrigued to play Florida, right? Because Lincoln Riley, he say what we want about him winning recruiting titles in the conference, winning all the big 12 titles, going to the college football playoff, all wonderful things, all great things that you want from a coach. That's that young still doesn't have a signature win. Uh, Okay. Well, he has Ohio state still doesn't have a signature bowl win and just doesn't really have a bowl win in general. So that would be 
Nice yeah, you need a win in, in the postseason. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I agree. And so, like, you know, when I look at the national perspective, I think of commentators, you know, of course, like Herb Street, Corso, all those dudes are like, yeah, they're great. You know, uh, I think I said I saw David Pollock today say, like, how good Winfrey, Benito, and Ronnie Perkins are and how, like, this isn't your old Oklahoma's defense. Like, they're actually getting very good very quickly right. under Alex Grinch. And so from the national perspective, I, I feel like from like analysts, I think they get respect. And I, I think, think Herb but, Street does a good job of yeah, watching the games. And then casuals, I think they don't care. And then recruits, I think, I think there's something to what you're saying as far as like, hey, listen, like we have five stars here, five stars there. We're getting a lot of length on defense. We're getting we're getting the ship turned around, and you know your class could be next. And so I think it's really important. I think they could move the needle. I think they could move the needle a little bit more if they would have taken care of business and won the game forty-one to like twenty, uh, which was more than doable with the amount of chances they had. But I still do think it moves the national perspective a little bit, but not as much as I think the Sooners would like them to. But who knows? Alex Grinch, not Alex Grinch. Lincoln Riley was on his phone during his. Uh, teleconference i guess if you will <laughs> with dan mullen talking about the game he was like staring intently on his phone and people were like oh must be cruton i'm like i don't know maybe his friends just sent him a weird link from a site who knows but i can't believe that was a story it's so being talked about there's a there there are a lot of things that are i can't believe are being talked about right now like there's just so many things like, oh, he was looking at his phone. Like, yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. Like, I guess. Like, I'm looking at my sense. phone right now. Yeah, it's fair. I'm, I'm literally watching the TV while we're podcasting. Uh, the Browns are up seven to three. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I could see the idea behind it because they're like, oh, he's like, usually Lincoln's very good at like staring into the camera and Is being Jerry very Jones on the phone. Being, yeah, and being attentive. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, he's very focused on his phone. That's very strange. So I could see how that would be kind of like taken a certain way, but it's probably most likely nothing. Actually, <laughs> was that before or after Tanner Mordecai officially said he was transferring? I think that was after. Was it? Yeah. But I would uh, assume they would have known. Yeah. You know, at least by yesterday, because it does take oh, some course. time of to course. get that paperwork in the. Well, I mean, just like when it officially gets announced, though, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. I but they like... would have known yesterday. Yeah, I don't know. So odd. Anyways. Or maybe it was a surprise. He's just like, yeah, WTF, Tanner? Maybe. Question mark, or maybe question like mark. he knew about it and like it went public and then and then people were asking him, I don't freaking know. I'm not going to speculate on it. But anyways. <laughs> We're going to go to a break for our sponsors, uh, but before we go to a break, we've got some good stuff for you guys in the half, you know, talking about Iowa State fans in general. Alex Grinch going to go interview with the Arizona Wildcats, which is a weird kind of concept from 20 years ago when that when Mike Stoops did that, when he was actually a good defensive coordinator. Talking about Lincoln Riley, uh, mentioning a little bit more about Trainer Mordecai, mentioning him some OU Florida, probably talking crap on the SEC, A&M, and all that good stuff, and We'll kind of wrap this bad boy up with a college football playoff thing. So we'll check you guys right after the break. All right, Steven, man, as soon as the game ended, like I, literally as soon as the fireworks went off for Oklahoma winning the big 12 title, uh, Shane Beamer's like recording, like 
a video about him going to South Carolina and being really excited and like trying to get, you know, South Carolina to an SEC championship game, like Shane Beamer's experience with the Sooners in the Big 12 title game. 247 confirms coming out. Alex Grinch is going to take an interview with the Arizona Wildcats, the same route that Mike Stoops took uh, when Bob was having a lot of success and Mike was also having a lot of success. Is this concerning to you or is this something that you think uh, it's like an early job to get some experience and to see what the, what he might be getting himself into to set up himself maybe for a bigger job next year or later this year, if one opens like a USC, like, what do you think? Uh, I'm not too concerned about it. And I think um, by now people have probably seen the tweet from, uh, was it Pete Thamel? Uh, that the San Jose State coach was probably looking like that's going to be the guy for Arizona. Yeah. But uh, if you're Alex Grinch, why not interview? Um, yeah, it's kind of like Lincoln Riley in Houston, right? Kind of, yeah. I mean, you almost have to at this point. You don't want to say no to a, to a job offer. So, um, you know, go there, run through the motions. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe you're not even the pick. But you have to take the interview anyways. I think it's interesting because <clears throat> it kind of tells you that what his – career trajectory might be because for the longest time it felt like we were saying oh yeah you know brent venable should go for this job brent venable should go to this job brent venable should go to this job <clears throat> and of course he's been in a great position right he goes from oklahoma he won a title and several big 12 championships then goes to clemson wins several titles and multiple national titles and you could say oh he's fine doing that you know he's seeing so much success but he's never once gone to interview for another head coaching gig so it seems like he we know of that we know of sure it's not been publicized but it feels like you know it feels like he should be a number one name every year um to have to be on to be on a list and he just never brought up and right. so it seems like he's consistently cool with being a defensive coordinator and you know there's rumblings <laughs> of, of kale gundy wanting to be an offensive coordinator somewhere so i think it's just really interesting to see Alex Grinch has had two wildly successful years at Oklahoma and he's gaining that name recognition. And like, it's just a thing where like, I'm thinking, Hey, if I, let's say Alex Grinch does leave, do you think Oklahoma goes out of house to hire somebody? Or do you think they just elevate Brian Odom or somebody like that? And Brian Odom just picks uh, somebody from the same tree. You know what I mean? I think they would have to look outside just because Odom's just, I don't know how much of a role he has as right. like a assistant coordinator right now maybe it's a larger role than i'm aware of but um i think they would go out of house and try to keep you know odom manning uh especially jamar kane from you know going with alex grinch to arizona right yeah that's a good point hmm i don't know but to me i wasn't really worried i was like yeah sounds like a sounds like a thing that he would do just like any right. other coach and it makes sense for arizona to to pull that interview just because alex grinch got his his name kind of out there in the West Coast and Washington State and all that, so he definitely has the connections to the West Coast. Yeah, I love and I like that, you know. But so, kind of going along with the game or right after the game is Iowa State fans, players, <laughs> people. They were in their feelings, very, very mad. Um, is that warranted? Do you think? I was thinking about this. I think it is warranted just because they haven't had that much success and they were just so close and they lose on a lame duck throw to Trey Brown. So that's oh, that, that throw a was bit. such a duck. Uh, when he threw that in the air, I was thinking I, I called think, it a punt on Twitter. 
Yeah, I mean, usually <laughs> that's really funny. Usually, you know, when a ball's thrown crisply, um, you can tell. And and then that's when the camera's catching up to the ball, and that's when people say, Oh no. And but this one off one foot off balance, <laughs> it was the it was wobbly. It looked like Kellen Mond had thrown it um with his feet planted and it was just a terrible throw from the outset and you know kudos again to the defensive line for just forcing that because once you got brock purdy under pressure it's been an issue that's the same narrative it's been pushing all night and it was a it was a bad throw that was terrible and i, I agree i think that uh it was warranted because these these iowa state fans i mean the last good football teams they really had were with seneca wallace <laughs> and uh it's a name from the past it is an like early 2000s you know like 2002 like wow and they they're they're used to being the a wrestling school and they're used to being a basketball school for sure they're basketball school they're always usually really good i mean the years when they had when oklahoma had buddy healed they had they have dudes that are in the nba right now i mean you have nader who's in the who's in the nba you have oh what's, what was that big guy's name? Oh, he plays with the Jazz. Oh my goodness! I right now? Remember. Yeah. From uh, he, Iowa State. Yep. He plays for the Jazz. Ah, uh, he's a kind of big-bodied white guy. Can't remember his name. And then they also had um, oh another point guard who played for Denver for a minute, or played for Denver. Oh God. Anyway, regardless, Iowa State's been very good at basketball. And Is so Georgia's. Oh, George and Yang. That was, yes, that was the one of them. It? Yeah, George and Yang was one of them. But Iowa State, they've, and they, I noticed this a, a lot. I kept on talking about how they were regular season Big 12 champs for football. And I was like, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. <laughs> but that's it. That is how it works in basketball. Like, oh, yeah, they're the regular season champs. Cool. And because like, I feel like Iowa State, they've never won the big one or they haven't won the big one in, in Big 12 basketball. And so they're like, oh, man, another regular season championship. They're not getting a trophy. You don't get a trophy for that. <laughs> and uh, they were just so excited. Get rings anyways? I don't even know. They're so excited to be there. And so when I went to go do like the meltdown, the Iowa State fan meltdown, like some of it was like really, really funny. And some of it was just like really, really like they were just like really nice people. And Iowa State fans are just really nice folks in general, like. They're always very kind when they visit Norman. They they tailgate the hell. They love they love drinking Bush Light. They love drinking all kinds of other things. Like they're good people, and so a lot of them are like, well, you know, if this is what it's like under Matt Campbell, I'm cool with that because they're not a football school. They're a basketball school, and so I understand like how they would feel. But at the same time, I also don't understand how they would feel because like if you are a basketball school and you know you're not supposed to win this, why are you so upset? <laughs> Because it was, it was right there for him, especially with how the game went down. And oh, you yeah. see Iowa State creeping back. And they've seen this this story before where, you know, Oklahoma has this big lead and Iowa State just ruins it for them. So mm-hmm. um wasn't the ending they thought it was going to be. I would be pissed, too. It kind of, I guess for them, this might be their OU Georgia game. Where it's, it's just so close. And then yeah. you just get it ripped out by a lame duck throw or that's kind of satisfying it kind of ended the way that the game in Ames ended but with Purdy throwing in three interceptions yeah I mean like look at the game like Trey Brown's your Sony Michelle the the game in Ames 
Iowa State had the field. Uh, Iowa State had the special teams advantage with a big return and massive field goals. Oklahoma missed, I think, one or two field goals in that game, and Iowa State won the turnover battle, I believe, in that game. And you come back over here, passing yards and running running yards, rushing yards are not too different, especially rushing yards, which are like four yards apart. In Oklahoma, they get Purdy to turn the ball over three times. And they have two really big returns in the in the kick game. And, and of course, both kickers missed one field goal, but one also drilled a career-high 50-40 yarder in Gabe Burkich. So, I mean, good for him. And so, looking out next year, and we'll talk about the bowl games in a second, but Caleb Kelly says he's going to come back. He wants a sixth ring, which is incredible. Um, what guys do you expect to leave early? So, we've got definitely two. I think Ronnie Perkins and Creed Humphrey are the two you look at. Is there a chance you see a third? I don't think so. And you have Winfrey marked down. I think Winfrey stays. You know, mm-hmm. maybe Nick Benito has uh, worked his way up into, mm-hmm. you know, one of those top three rounds as far as just being a pass rusher. So maybe you could kind of mark him on the list. I think Trey Brown probably would want to end his career in Oklahoma with a, with a send-off touchdown against Iowa State. Uh, not that he wouldn't play the bowl game, but you know, right? Because he's playing I, in that Reese's, like he's, he's playing in the Reese's All American Bowl, whatever it is. Yeah, it seems like he's probably making that jump. So probably just Trey Brown. Wow. So, I mean, maybe Ramondre. Although uh, this running back class is mm. it's going to be pretty crowded with Etn and yeah, because Ramondre Stevenson he came on really really strong, and then with the Baylor performance and then with this performance, just because of how Lincoln Riley decided to call the game and how the offensive line wasn't the best. The offensive line wasn't really a big deal yesterday, actually, but um, he kind of, kind of, he just, because of the nature of the defense they, they played kind of like had a tail off of like, you know, a four or five games he was able to play in. So he may actually come back and Kennedy Brooks is supposed to be back too. That just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. I'm very confused on all of that, but I imagine it'll, I imagine we'll all figure it out what the hell it is. And when we'll figure it all out at the end of, at the end of winter, when spring hits, it'll all kind of clear itself up and who's going to be processed for more movement. Who's going to, I know Oklahoma is probably looking and eyeing at a lot of grad transfers or not grad transfers, transfers in general. Uh, the it's the like, second recruiting season. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really interesting to see where they go. Uh, Lincoln Riley says the team was very, very pissed at the all-conference lists. Uh, that's what he said in the presser. He was like, dang, I'm surprised we even won a game in the Big 12, which I thought was like really, <laughs> really like, I was like, dang, I've never seen Lincoln Riley this spiteful. He said, and also just like I, what I know is that the team, and when I say the team, I'm, I talk about OU, but I'm talking about Iowa State more is that, Iowa State talked a lot of trash during the game, before the game, um, and then especially toward the end of the game when they were really coming on hard. Um, and, you know, Winfrey, actually, in his Instagram, he tagged Brock Purdy with him almost just destroying Brock Purdy, and he tagged him in his Instagram with a lot of middle finger emojis, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> and um, But some say this is Lincoln's best coaching job of the year or of his career because they didn't go to the Big 12 title or big. they didn't go to the – what the big, oh, cultural playoff? Why am I losing words? They didn't go to the cultural playoff, um, but they won a Big Twelve title and a, kind of a transition year. But then some say because it's weird how narratives change by different people that get them out there. 
some say it's his best coaching job, and some say, man, Lincoln, looking at this season, he's got a long way to go. Which one is it? Uh, I think he has a longer way to go. I mean, this isn't his most talent or most experienced roster he's had. Um, he's had a lot of veterans that kind of lead this team through. Um, so in that regard, maybe this was this season was a little bit tougher. Um, there's some wrenches there that he hasn't experienced before. But at the same time, there's some big question marks as far as his play calling right in the middle of the game. Do you support him getting a play caller? Um, not yet, because it doesn't like they just won their sixth title in a row, Big Twelve title in a row. So, right, obviously something's working. Do you think his play it's just calling? Less fancy. Do you think his play calling is a little bit different now that he knows he has a decent defense and that he doesn't have to score forty points a game? It's maybe he dials it back as far as the risk, but he also. If you look at this team, there's not like that go-to, like this is our guy we're going to, you know, yeah, lean on on the offense. They don't have that guy. They don't have a C.D. Lamb or a Marquise Brown or Mark Andrews. Those guys just aren't there yet. Uh, or they haven't developed yet. So right. at the same time, the skill positions this year just aren't as good as they were in the past. Yeah, and I think some of it has to do with, I mean, just the talent that's there, but also – how they had no camps basically and how it was just an odd season. Right. They're, basically, they're basically like developing how good and how, how bad they're going to be right now. Uh, they, they're like right now with the amount of activity they're doing, this would be like mid season, but since they didn't have a spring, a real, they didn't have a real spring. They didn't have a real summer. You're kind of seeing like the end of the season, which would be like usually mid season form or somewhere around there. I mean, like this is, this is not what people expected, but I mean, like definitely hurts the well. offensive line the most. Oh Yeah. And it's working out well for the Sooners because they were very young and they grew up pretty quickly, but some of the same things almost came to bite them in the ass. But again, a lot of it, I mean, I said during the game, like, man, this is very close to Lincoln Riley coming out of the presser and saying he, it was his fault again for not running the ball and to taking the blame because I thought the players did what they could. Um, I thought the questionable, there's a lot of questionable play calling in the second half because Lincoln Riley trusted his defense too much, but um, you know, if you trust it a lot, that's great. Fantastic. I'm glad you could trust your defense, but at the same time, it was fourth and five and you had it in Iowa state's territory. And I mean, if you trust your defense, just try to end the game right there. So it's like fourth and five, just pass the ball, but instead they punted it a little bit more. And that's so like, I think Lincoln Riley in previous years with a Jalen hurts with a Kyler Murray with the Baker Mayfield would have gone for it. But I think the quarterback and his immaturity is kind of holding them back a little bit. Uh, I'm not saying Spencer Rattler's holding the team back. That would be something stupid, but I'm saying him being immature as far as not looking for check downs and him just not being aware because he doesn't know the offense like the back of his Wanting hand the big yet. play a little too much. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think it limits them in what they can do. So I think, of course, a real offseason will be very, very good for him. And who's going to have another good offseason? Is Tanner Mordecai going to go on a <laughs> going to go on a trip of all kinds of schools? Do you think he ends up in a Texas school? I think he ends up in Texas, or maybe West Virginia. Yeah. Who knows? You think like in the Big Twelve? Yeah, or I could see him end up in Houston. Maybe I, I, I could see Houston. Houston, SMU. Um, but then I'm sure like, plenty of schools would would want an Oklahoma quarterback. Yeah, well, West Virginia didn't work out that well. Uh, I could see, I don't, I don't, I couldn't see one of the sec schools taking a Bailey? chance. I could see like, a, I could see a PAC 12 team taking a chance. Um, but I don't, I don't really know. I think he's really want to go to the PAC 12 though. 
I mean, if you've been in Waco your entire life and then Norman, I imagine you might want to go to the West coast. That's true. But I could see, I could see him being in, staying in Texas or kind of like where the, the old big eight conference used to be, or the old Southwest conference somewhere around here in the plains. Um, everybody expected this. Actually, I thought this transfer happened a lot later than what, uh, than what I was anticipating. Um, well, you got to get your ring first. It's true. It's true. Uh, does this do you care at all for this or are you just just it's just a, it's just a thing because everybody knows Caleb Williams is coming to, actually he's not coming to town he actually already lives in Norman <laughs> in a very nice residence uh, and then you also have Chandler Morris who scored the first touchdown of the game who's more of a read option guy so are you like does this even is this even a blip on the radar or is it just a talk no game? I know some people tried to hype this this new, this breaking news like yeah. oh Hearing, it's not really breaking, it's, or in nor is it news, I suppose. Hearing whispers, Mordecai might be hidden out. Like I think we talked about it during the summer, um, after Rattler was declared the starter. Oh yeah, so, like the two days of fall camp. Shit, we were like, talking yeah. about it right after the Chick Fil A Bowl when Spencer <laughs> Rattler went in over Tanner yeah, Mordecai. Yeah. So like, yeah, Mordecai is probably going to transfer. We've known probably as a, a grad transfer. I don't, I don't know if he graduated or not, but they said he has three years available. Oh, he's, he's good. Yeah, so should be fun for him. And also, he's got that coaching in. Um, you know, he's he made some good plays against he Texas. Did. So he did. He he got it. He got a touchdown. He, he got a, <laughs> he threw a couple of lame ducks, but he got a touchdown. Uh, another former Sooner that's on the move, Chris Robinson, who is still alive. I'm happy to hear that. I I didn't I did I, honestly knowing his life path, I was mm, questionable on that, but. It's the glasses, man. The pink sunglasses did it for me. And, of course, the crazy ex-girlfriend. But um, I guess he's on the move from FAU. I don't know where he's going to go, but that sounds fun. I just just will always be thankful for him when – well, he was a part of Sooner Squad 17, right? Yes. I'll never forget him. The opening where they had, like, everybody on the same team. Yeah, him just shit-talking Tate Martell. Um, He was on a team with Tua. Yep, yep. So it's always good times. Love it. But I think I'm going to get a Chris Roberson jersey. I think I will too. Here it comes with a actual pack of a, some, uh, <laughs> some white pony. Should some I get white... a Chris Roberson jersey and some pink sunglasses for the next podcast? Mm-hmm. I wonder, I got the Hawaiian shirt too. Yeah, you, you can get the Tathan. That guy sucks. Is he even at? He's not at Miami anymore, is he? Did he transfer I again? I think he's transferring out of Miami. God, idiot. Well, Oklahoma State's playing Miami in the Cheez It Bowl, so that should be fun. Nathan won't be there. Nope, he won't. Um, OU versus Florida. Let's talk about it briefly. Doesn't have to be too long because we we want to preview Florida. We also want to look at some Florida, and I'll, I'm I assume that probably would not be smart to talk about it right now, considering. We don't know who's not playing this game for Oklahoma, but more so Florida. They've already had one guy opt out. What's his name again? Uh, you're talking Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, uh, real big tight end receiver dude. He's like one of their best. I guess he is their best player. Kyle Trask could be another name. I mean, it seems like those dudes will sit out quite a few dudes, but who knows? Um, what was your initial reaction when OU's matched up with Florida in Dallas again? So Oklahoma's going to have to turn right back around and go to Jerry World in 10 days. <laughs> um, I mean, this is a game where Oklahoma has a lot of opportunity. Obviously, Lincoln Riley hasn't had the most successful postseason. Um, 
just yet. So this is a big game just as far as name brands go. So this is this is an SEC team that at one point a lot of people thought maybe they could beat Alabama when the SEC title and probably be a playoff team. Um, but that just didn't end up in Florida's favor. So they, they can prove a lot here, um, especially with Kyle Pitts out. That definitely hurts Florida quite a bit. So I think this is definitely a game that Oklahoma – it could be kind of like the Auburn game where they have definitely have a chance to win. Um, it's a nice name to beat so that you can get some recruiting momentum off that as well. Yeah. And so it shouldn't matter, but it does. Would this game sway uh, Tristan Lee in any way? Uh, I don't think so. You don't, I, think, I don't so? think this game matters much. I mean, maybe it could be like a mix in situation where, okay, you know, Florida just beat OU. Now I got to sign, but uh I don't know. I don't, I just, from what I've heard, I don't think that this moves the needle quite that much at right. all. And Florida, honestly, like in the SEC, they weren't that great of a rushing team. They weren't that great of a defense, but they are like just very highly effective in the past game. Right. And so, I mean, Oklahoma, they do a lot of things well, but it's in the Big 12. So I can't really tell. Like, it's hard to tell, like, between conferences who's actually good and who's actually bad. I imagine this. This thing will be, regardless of who plays, especially with Pitts out, we would, would be pretty competitive. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on it because I just I want to get to watching Florida, but also get kind of their opinions on it because they are probably wondering the same things about Oklahoma. Now, the SEC, they don't play any defense. Like, they just clown the Big 12 for s- several years. Oh, they don't play any defense. They don't play any defense. Oklahoma gave up 20, 28 points, even though they scored 65. That's bad defense. Uh, and now the SEC title game was just a, a freaking boat race. Uh, Ole Miss versus LSU was a boat race. Everybody's scoring 40 plus points everywhere. Um, Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher trying to get into the cultural playoff because he won seven games in the SEC with a combined record of 28 and 40. I hate SEC exceptionalism. They, do you know? Did you watch that game, the SEC title game? No, because I had to go do the. Uh, oh, the thing. That's right. Dinner. Yeah, yeah. So they start their they start their SEC title game away off of like this weird biblical entrance about how like they are the genesis of college football and that's stuff. a little culty. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I I, turn, I changed the channel. I was like, I'm going to watch Tulsa Cincinnati. This is stupid. It's just this weird SEC propaganda. Even on the even on, on CBS today, uh, when I'm watching the NFL, I'm watching the Cardinals and the Eagles, and they're, like, talking about Jalen Hurts. And they're talking about Kyla Murray. Like, oh, by the way, they're having great seasons. They were both SEC quarterbacks. Despite the fact that Kyla Murray spent more time in Oklahoma – than he did ever at AM. Now, Jalen Hurts, he spent more time on the bench than he did starting for either of the teams in, in Alabama and Oklahoma. Like, I just, I CBS needs to drop it, homie. They need to get, they need to drop it. Stop with this bullcrap SEC exceptionalism. Like, everybody, like, when the gloves are on the table, like, it is what it is. But Texas AM, how did, how did you feel about them saying that they deserve to be in the playoff because they've won seven straight games with against <laughs> Fuck Texas? Yeah, right. The, the only team they beat that was good was Florida. They got their ass whipped by Alabama. And again, let, let it be known, the combined record of their opponents were 28 and 40. Like I looked at this and like I looked at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's combined record 
of all their teams that there are seven straight wins. Oklahoma was 33 and 35. If you took away the worst team from both schedules, A&M is 26 and 33. Oklahoma is 33 and 26. The only reason why that's the case is because Kansas is just fucking garbage. <laughs> so like you look at, you take away the worst team from each of those seven game streaks in Oklahoma, they played much better competition, ranked competition and better defenses. And AM though, hey, because they're Aggies, they just don't get it, man. They they science and they got the SEC patch, so God. It's never like did you see the Kellen Mund tweet today? No, what do you what do you want? Uh he said all of these SEC teams that are mediocre in quotation marks in the media's eyes would run the table in some of these other leagues. Only a few teams out of the SEC can really play in the SEC. I just, so I just hit it with a, a peak Aggie. That makes me so angry because we all know Look that they had – Look at this patch on our jersey. <laughs> that, yeah, they, and we all know that they had like the easiest schedule possible. They played Alabama, Auburn, who's not very good at all. Trash-ass and they, LSU team. They, yeah, LSU that was bad and they lost oh, – no, Florida lost to them. But like, eh, you played Alabama, got rocked. You beat Florida. That's a great win. No, no joke. No doubt about it. But like, who else did they play besides nobody? Nobody else ranked. I don't think so. Oh, I, I think they had. I think they beat Missouri when they were ranked, and I think a lot of people beat the shitty teams before they realized. Well, everyone they were, said they Missouri didn't good. deserve to be ranked. They were just there because it helped Texas A and M. Just so ridiculous. It's it's just so ridiculous. That entire thing is just mind boggling. But. I kind of want to join the Aggies and just kind of sip on the, the poison Kool-Aid that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I think they uh, have. Well, I think. I don't know. You might. College stations like a miniature, I guess a larger Jonestown. What's ironic is that like they'll take that weird poison Kool-Aid and not get a vaccine. I need my Tex-Ags subscription. Yeah. Oh man, they're such a cult. Gross. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> But what do, you, what do you think about the college football playoff teams? Alabama versus I like it. Notre Dame, Clemson versus Ohio State. Is that good? I like it. I mean, I don't think Ohio State should be in just on principle. But right. I like the matchups. Alabama should destroy Notre Dame. Clemson should win. So. Who's gonna? Who, is, Clemson, is Clemson gonna win another one back to back? I think Bama does. You think Bama does, huh? I think Bama does. We'll really? see. I, think, I just have a feeling. I think this so. seems like another Saban year. I go off of this. I think Clemson's offense is more well-rounded and better than Florida's with their right. run game and their pass game, just how amazing Trevor Lawrence is. And I see what they were able to do to an Alabama defense to make them look average. And then you look on the flip side and the Clemson defense just stupid every single freaking year with a loaded full of five stars. I think they win that game by like 17 points. I don't think Mac Mac Jones doesn't do it for me. No, he's a seems like another game manager. Yeah, but. he's a he's a. Oh, what are the other guys? What are their names? AJ McCarron and the yeah, other guy. I think he's better than McCarron. Yeah, but it's not like a world's difference. No, he's not. So I don't know. It's not a big deal. But man, but uh, I mean, I think I picked Bama to win back when we first started. So I'll I'll just stick with it. Fair enough. Or I can be one of those guys that just changes it every week, just shotgun some takes out. That could be, you know, and you could shotgun those takes out. They could be garbage. 
<laughs> and you know who cares you know because if your opinion's always right like it doesn't matter right well it is yeah well it is right you are right all the time but man i'm i'm, I'm about done you know we kind of turn this post game podcast into just like a full length weird middle of the week podcast but I'm, I'm cool with that do you have anything else no i'm just trying to look through billy lunchy's uh twitter to see if he said anything fun so he's a special person man. and join the discord if you want to you know just ask me or steven on twitter and you can find steven on twitter at oeupdatesp you can find me at, at cameraobbynccm uh, hey guys thanks for listening to the podcast thanks for your continued listening throughout the season throughout a weird pandemic year it actually happened there was a big 12 title play it looks like bowl games not all but several will be played and so thanks for sticking with us the entire time uh there'll be a lot more content even after football season so Don't shy away, and we'll check you guys later.